Hey everybody, welcome back to Visual Novel Book Club. I'm your pal Slowby. With me, of course, my good friend Jim. Hey everybody. My good friend Rosella Five Hundred. Hey hey. My good friend Polahoko. Hey yeah. My good friend Turbo C. Hello. My good friend Oren Ronan. Good evening. Listen, Chapter Four. We left on a bit of a cliffhanger. Sasuke Natsume's trial is about to begin. Part One. We're here in the old Bailey. I did all this today, so my notes are a little, you know, spotty, but we're going to do our best. Also, before before we begin, Turbo, you weren't here last week. Um, yes. Are you aware that Natsume Sasaki is a real person? Oh, no. <laughs> does he does he look like that? What a fool. <laughs> I mean, we all knew. I can't believe you didn't know. Yeah, everyone <laughs> here knew. Yeah, we, we all knew. Yeah. Every single one of us. Yeah. I mean, they teach it in every American school. Of course we know. Yeah. Anyway, can I also give you, if you haven't, like, um, a preview of last week, too, was then Oren would go, and does anyone know what his first book was? And nobody would answer. And he goes, that's right. I'm a cat. It was, it was... <laughs> so let, let, let's see if any of you learned anything. Can any of you like so? I, I actually went and I, I read the first chapter of, of I am a cat. Uh, mm-hmm. In between, in between weeks, so I could have more cultural context. It was very sad. <laughs> Did I explain how we got turned into a cat? You're not. A, it, it's a satire. I am a cat. Yeah, it's supposed no, I, to be I, funny. It's <laughs> oh, it's not a documentary. I'm a cat. It's uh. <laughs> I mean, it certainly seems to be uh, c- critical in in some some incisive kind of ways, but I just mostly found it sad because sad things happen to cats. And I'm just a sucker. What is it critical of? Of Japanese society in the early 1900s. You all just blindsided me with this thing. I thought we were talking about goofy lawyer game. So Natsume Sasaki was on the South Indian Bill for a long while. So he's a very famous person. And he does look like that. It's not just Edgar Allan Poe, but now a Japanese man that we is not a real person. You know what I mean? It's it's. it's a historical figure. Yeah, this is a literary analysis podcast now, baby. <laughs> we're we're time traveling because now this dude is on trial. Well, not murder, actually, for um, stabbing a person in the back. And we're going to have to defend them because this didn't happen in real life. So we don't want to create a time paradox or anything. Um, but look, you know, um, it starts out pretty much too where like... Um, Rainosuke, uh no, or Naruhodo, I should call him. Naruhodo is kind of like, I can't believe I'm here in the old Bailey like twice so soon. And Suzato is like, well, you know what? It's a good way to learn. And he's like, no, it's not. Because, you know, it's somebody's life is at stake here. This is actually a very poor way to, you know, where it's like, yeah, you're right. Sorry about that. This is also when uh, Soseki says, oh, I wish I had nine lives, which the cat thing. Mm-mm. See, I'm paying right. attention. The cat thing is always a thing with any portrayal of Sasaki in, in anything. <laughs> it's always about cats. And also Turbo, that thing he does, the annoying thing with like, you know, um, the alliteration. alliteration. Oh, yeah, that's also a reference to the real person who like wrote like that, but with like kanji. And he does Sentai poses. Yeah, that too. He yes. invented the dab. <laughs> <laughs> the, the real person did like have nearly a nervous breakdown while he was in England studying okay. but that's accurate oh okay but not not due to a vampire prosecutor or at least it's not as that we know of i think he had the problem way before the vampire prosecutor 
This guy seems constantly on edge. He's the, he's a very unreliable uh defendant. Yeah, he sucks. No. Um He's he's having a rough time. Yeah, and he hasn't slept, his eyes are bloodshot, which is you know, understandable. Um, I think there's like nothing more frightening than having to like go, you know what I mean? Like to have like a trial or something in like not your home country, you know, on top of everything. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, exactly. And Jim Carrey made fun of a movie like that. It's so predominant, <laughs> but uh, in Cable Guy specifically. But, um, you know, uh, apparently, too, um, this trial is on the front page of like every paper. Um, notably because Von Zeeks is back again. And, uh, you know, like, not too many is afraid, too, just because, again, like, Von Zeeks, you know, I mean, after what happened to McGilded, he's, like, cursed, even if he wins this thing, maybe, you know? And, and ev- everyone is apparently speculating about why Von Zeeks even uh, went to a trial like this, why it's not even murder. Yeah, everyone in the paper is calling it mundane. And so Seki's like, well, it's not mundane to me. Um, we get in there. You know, and Von Zeeks actually uh, pours out a glass and toasts. Doesn't pour out. He doesn't pour out a glass. I'm sorry, not like that. But like he, um, he toasts McGilded, who who just deceased, which is kind of messed up in a way, or maybe not. Who knows? But anyway, we have a new jury, kind of, kind of. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I actually kind of like this in a way. Uh, the, the, as we said, the jury selection in this, like England, is not very good. They really don't care about conflicts. <laughs> I love that they have a theme, though, going on for their jury jurors now. Like, the the last one is always going to be uh, this weird old person. I I kind of dig the reuse in some ways, strangely, you know? Like, um... Well, so the first the first one is... I totally forgot his name, and I can't find my notes from that episode. Uh, it's Fairplay. Fairplay, thank you, yeah. The banker from the first trial, or the trial before. With the Waluigi hair, facial hair. the second one is um this like kind of tall thin lady she i I put down she looks kind of like olive oil but you know from popeye but eh, i mean maybe yeah i also wrote that (laughs) oh nice all right that's um uh synergy sure why not and uh, and um she says she's more roots i'm more ruthless than i appear uh the third the third was that lady first i think is the third person is that him or does he just look like him no it's 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 an entirely it's a new character oh it is a new character he reminded me of him so i put down foppish guy he looks he's a very unassuming looking person yeah he is the most generic man well that was the thing because i knew the first guy was uh, i couldn't remember was the name but i knew it was fair play the third guy like as we were going i was like wait is that lady first but now i'm thinking about it, he doesn't have the hat or anything so you're right yeah okay new yeah guy. i he had the same face but and so i thought the same thing too but i was like no way is that game got this better right and also the game has no compunction about bringing characters back obviously so if right. they were gonna do it they would just do it right which the third juror is joan garadeb that the fourth juror is indeed the maid Joan Garadab, which was like, ah, ah, ah. Hmm. Um, the fifth was like, I put down chimney sweep looking guy, but he's just like a generic sort of laborer. Like he's got that like kind of the, that cap. Is it a flat cap that he had? Yeah. yeah. You know, that like chimney sweep, yeah, flat cap and stuff. And he's kind of gruff and he's got a beard. Tough guy. Oh, chimney sweeps had tough ha- top hats. The sixth one is uh, like hard of hearing plump old guy as opposed to hard of hearing plump old lady from last time. 
Yeah, my my head can only it's it's her husband. Yeah. <laughs> well, in in the previous trial, the the old lady didn't want to pay attention, and in this one, he can't pay attention because he can't hear anything. He's trying though. He's trying. Doesn't stop him from like giving us a guilty verdict all the time though. Yeah, that's true. You know, and and you know, I gotta say, um, the the juror number two jumps in right away as the case starts with, um, was it a dirty Japanese who did it? Which is like, yikes! So, all right, she said she says something like really racist. It was just like, okay, well, I guess that's how we're gonna start that off. Um, but anyway, uh, Zeke's calls uh Gregson to the stand, and that's you know the. Our old fish and chips professor, uh, professor, um, police officer, excuse me. And uh, he like kind of gives us the case. The young woman, uh, the woman who was stabbed, her name is Olive Green. Um, she's in a coma for three days. Her name was actually presumed from her personal effects. We don't actually know that that's her name. And when that when that was brought up, I'm like, so that's not her name. You know, that was where my brain meant immediately. Yeah. Um, and uh, Natsume said he saw a woman in a green overcoat, which he's wearing. And um, we're not sure. So we, uh, what do you call it? So I don't know, like, how in-depth we want to go here. So, but you can feel free to help me out here. Because basically what Gregson does is he shows the map of the, of the you know, the crime scene and things like that. And it's basically a, how to describe this? It's happening around a block. Um, like a city block, the right side being like kinked outward. So it's like a Pentagon with the point facing right, sort of. Um, and the idea is that they're saying that on the, oh boy, the northwest corner of the Pentagon on Briar Street, which is the street on the left side of it. If anyone can feel free to jump in and help me out here. Uh, okay, okay. So I'm actually looking at a picture of the map here. So okay. the idea is that there are two buildings next to each other. The one building on the left, the bottom right corner, that is the Soseki's um, lodgings. And on the other side of the street, uh, top left corner is the bookstore. The idea is that he returned home from the bookstore, walked down the street, and then crossed the street to go home. Which, that is where uh, he ran into Olive Green, purportedly did the attack, and then ran away. Yeah, because the, the, the murder happened like right right across the street from yeah across the street, which is going to be important. Yes, right across the street, which is an important point. Yeah. So the first thing that happens is that because um, uh, it's going to be a real you know as as Paula said, it's going to be a real quick straight walk from you know the corner down down the block to to the opposite corner. Um, but that's if the place where he had bought the books is a, a bookstore called bourbon books, which is the one on the corner. Um, right. What happens though, is when you look at the, the receipt um, that not my had, it is not a uh, bourbon books, but it's a place called your books. Y O R E your books. Y O R E. Right. And you know, I guess it's a uh, play a little pun there. And the, where your books is located though, is actually on on sort of the the North Street is called Meersham. So what, everything's happened on Briar Road so far. On Meersham, the next block to the east is your books. So that's now called into question the direct route. Now it is probably shorter because there is no like bulged out extra side on the on the um, on whatever you know sort of thing we've got going on here. Uh, that this five sided thing, the the sort of the point there makes it a little bit longer going around. But it is possible that if there's some reason that um, not somebody might have gone home the long way around. Right. 
now at this point though the jurors are well basically we make a lot of ado about this you know where it's like well see he's on the opposite corner he would have gone the long way around but then von zeeks is like yeah but look it's still the same route if he goes the if he goes like west down Mearsham and then down Briar, you know, to the crime scene. So it really doesn't make any difference. And they kind of make sort of a comedy thing out of it. Like, yeah, let's check the route, that kind of thing. Well, it's Naruhuto had no idea where this your bookstore was. And we were kind of operating on the assumption that it was a completely different area. But it's pretty much right there and it doesn't make any difference. I mean, to be fair, he's a terrible lawyer in that regard of just like, let's like, that's the thing about all the the Ace Attorney games is there's just like, just go with it vibe. Like there's no like discovery or let's look at the evidence first or let's kind of just get it to like go with the theory and let's just hope it goes somewhere, you know, Mm -hmm. just keep grasping at the straws. We, we finally got a day to investigate, which puts it at like the most preparation Narahodo has ever had for a case. That's that's true, too. Yeah. So it's it's partially not really his fault as opposed to the whole like universal legal system here. Yeah. Also, no, yeah, they don't they don't wait around for anything. They don't wait for the uh, the victim to come out of a coma to find out if she has anything to contribute or know her real name. Well, it was in the last case that they we were pretty much told that the judicial system here they pretty much just pin it on the first suspicious person and just kind of go with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So basically, the jury already is like, I think this I think this guy's guilty. So they all vote. Um, dark fire and the waiting goes toward um, you know guilty so of course we have to do summation examination which again von Ziegs brings up is an old stupid thing but whatever the, the judge is like nope you're allowed to um, so basically juror number five who's like the labor is like just his only testimony is like I gotta get out of here so I can get paid you know like anytime I'm here like doing jury stuff you know is money I'm not making so I just want to get done so if you press the statement he kind of gets into like you know like why do you have to get back and all that and he kind of mentions I I was like digging up the road on Mearsham Street which is like wait a second here and then um, there's another juror who's basically like, well, he would have just gone down Mearsham Street. And you can pit these two jurors against each other like your statements contradict. Can't go down Mearsham Street if juror number five is working on it, ripping it up. Also, does England not pay people for juror jury appearances? I mean, they don't do a lot in 19th century England, it seems like. That's, but, that's <laughs> fair point. <laughs> but um, I guess they don't know. But they do do road work. Yeah. Yeah, because juror, the juror's argument about getting out of there early is like, I don't get to eat. My family doesn't get to eat unless I go work my job. So please, let's just convict this guy so I can eat. Also, my wife might actually murder me, which yeah. is like something that comes up later. But anyhow. Yeah, and then you'll just be right back here again. So let's just. <laughs> right. Um. Oh, yeah. And then, like, basically, we also can uh, we. We pit juror two and six against each other because it's like, well, they like, you know, the what is it? The, like they, we saw Olive Green collapse there, but it was also like juror number six. The old man happens to be a stout guy wearing a green coat and who mentions he slipped down the street opposite Briar. If you were going the quote unquote long way around from your books. So they're like, oh, and they're saying like, well, that's maybe who Natsume saw was this guy, you know. What Naruto is trying to do right now is maybe try to prove that Natsume wasn't even at the place. Right, yeah. And of course Natsume is not being helpful at all because he doesn't even remember which way he went. He doesn't even know where he is. To be totally fair, I think he's just trying... He's actually just trying to get, like, the not guilty thing off. So he's just like, look, come on, you know, like, there could be other ways around this. You don't know, you know? 
I didn't even finish my opening statement and you all are convicting. Come on. I know. Yeah. We have called zero witnesses. Like all we had is just like a detective to give us the basic facts of the case. Yeah. And a map. And like, yeah, like, hmm, a Pentagon side's a little bit longer than, you know, like, yeah. So to be fair, they're also using the uh, uh, the accused's own statement against him, which is is pretty much a really bad statement. He's just like, I don't know where I was. I just saw this woman and I I ran away. Also, what happened to Vardir? Because fucking Mrs. Garadeb is a goddamn juror. I just wanted to say that word and sound smart. But um, uh, what do you call it? So uh, anyway, though, you know, our our pitting against people against each other work and sort of because then four of them sw- switched their commitment to not guilty, which is like this is going great. But then Von Zeeks is like, oh, good God, fine. Finally, I can fucking talk. Yep. Then he whips off the cape and uh, and he's like, you know, well, guess what? I've got a witness. In fact, two witnesses um, Rolly Beat, who is a Bobby with a really beat up helmet who keeps falling asleep, and his newlywed wife Patricia Beat, um, who uh, keeps like their gimmick is basically he's falling asleep on the stand. She'll start to get testimony, tug his scarf to wake him up. They're both wearing matching scarves, by the way. It's very cute, and they talk about how much they love each other constantly. They're, they're very lovey dovey kind of couple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the same scarf, by the way. It's not matching scarves. When you look at them from behind, you see the scarves are connected. Oh. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, we don't learn this until uh, until a little bit later. But yeah, when you get the the pan back to see the like the whole courtroom, it's the same scarf. It's really cute. Also, there's, there's another couple who are really poor because she's wearing like patchwork dress. So I have a question: it, is it is he named Rolly because his head keeps rolling, and is she named Pat because she's all patchy? I was can no nope. I know. I figured it out at the end. Did anyone else figure out why their names are Patricia and Rolly Beat? The the person I was playing with did. I did not. Let me tell you, though, that in Japanese, the name are reversed because he's named Patrick and she's named Rola. Huh. huh. But it's the same pun. That's interesting because if the trick is it's a it's a pun because her name's Pat, his name's Roll, as in Patrol. Patrol. Patrol Beat. Oh my god. Okay. That's actually pretty good. I think I think that the reason they switched it is because in Japanese they they uh, shorten Patrick to Pat all the time, and I don't think you really do it do this in English, right? For the male name Patrick, sometimes so if you're close friends with them, maybe the game sort shortens it too, so it it sort of works either way. No, no, Pat's totally a valid nickname for Patrick. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, that's totally fine. I think it makes the pun too obvious. The surname in Japanese is, is O'Malley. O'Malley? Which is a pan on Omawari, which is an, a, a cap in Japanese. But uh-huh. O'Malley is like a nice English name too. So, Yeah. That's very good. One thing I also want to add about this case is Von Zeeks has uh, at least two new uh, mannerisms that I noticed. Uh, one is uh, his uh, glass of wine. Uh, that he had, uh, he throws it into the uh, candle fire behind him. Yeah. And that shatters and explodes. Uh, and he keeps doing this, so I don't know where he's getting all these chalices. And then the second one is my favorite. <laughs> the other one is very good. He just takes the sort of top of the bottle and he, he flips it behind him into the crowd behind him. He yeets it. He just he just friggin' yeets it at the, into the jury stands. He just like whoop, and then and then he apologizes for like hitting the the with the 
Let's be titles with the bottom. Please forgive my discourtesy. Yes. It's like when you see Von Zeke's coming in with a crate of wine bottles, you know it's going to be a really interesting case <laughs> today. <laughs> what do you call it? He wastes a lot of wine. He expenses those. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the thing I like about, about uh, P- Patricia and Rolly here is that they genuinely seem to like each other. Yeah, like, they're very they're cute. Just, they're very cute. And like, honestly, I'm trying to think of another like couple in the entire series that has any genuine affection for each other and I'm coming up pretty short. Patricia does this thing at like a point in the trial where she like gets behind him because he's always dozing off and she like puppeteers him to make it looks like he's look like he's punching his fists in the air. He did a little shadow boxing. She does that once even when he's fully awake so and he just just goes back to sleep like oh I my wife's doing my, that thing now. The weekend at Bernie's. Maybe that's just a thing they do. It's it's cute. It is cute. I, I loved these two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. After you said after you said that, I was, I was trying to think just because even only playing the first three games, I'm like, yeah, I don't remember any couples really being really affectionate. No. So, yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, let's see here. So if I remember, you you actually you don't really press you don't really get anywhere per se. Like you press all of their testimony to keep going, and it's just basically like we saw we saw them there uh, through the fog and stuff. We saw you know olive green collapse. We saw you know Natsume behind them behind her, and um, there you have it. Yeah, so so the testimony is that um, it was their anniversary, so um, they mm-hmm. were getting ready to go get uh, next dinner. One year anniversary. Mm-hmm, that's right. Yeah, and, and they were g- going up the street in, in the opposite way that um, Natsume and the woman walking, and then they just saw, saw it all happen. They um, saw the woman collapse, and they saw Natsume um, run away from the scene and dropping the books that he was carrying, and they clearly saw his face. So we Yep. I, I do wonder why they're walking in the opposite direction of Natsume, because it's like, hey, honey, I know this great hole in the road. That we can go see. <laughs> well, um, it's only two yards. We find out. So oh, yeah. there's, a, there's kind of a ridiculous easily thing. jumpable by. A- yeah, anyone can vault that. That was the yeah. That was kind of come on. You're all buying this shit, but yeah, they of course they do. Um, anyhow, no, but like the thing is, you don't really get anywhere at this point. Like, there's not really anything to disbelieve per se, but. Pride goeth before a fall because Rolly Beat says, I have the feeling you don't believe me, so I want to amend my testimony just to prove how good I am. And I clearly saw that um, Olive Green lying down with four books, but entered into evidence. Hold it. There's a picture of her with the knife in her back and three books. And you say... And at first, it's like, aha. And she goes, well, perhaps the fourth book is being hidden by her body. Yeah, you, you, you can also um, show the receipt at this point, because the receipt that Natsume had also showed that he only bought three books. That's uh, I think you have to, right? Like, afterwards, because it's like, well... I think you can, be- you can show either the receipt or the photograph. You don't have to do oh. both. Did, did we mention that there's a photograph of the crime scene? Because there's just a photograph of, of, you know, the woman stabbed, books scattered around mm-hmm. her. Right. But we, we don't see your face in that one. Can you get a different person saying, hold it? Because, like, I had Patricia and she's like, hold on, I can name all four books. Yeah. And she, she, she does a fairly good job. I mean, she doesn't really get them, but she remembered enough. She gets close enough that it's like, all right, yeah, you you know them. But um, 
the fourth there's a fourth book you know uh that's that's in um olive's hand basically she's like gripping it and we enter that into evidence and it still seems like okay so this isn't really helping until we notice that the book actually has a burn mark on the back of it a pretty actually more than a mark it's pretty much burned and like pages are missing so it's like kind of unreadable it's almost like it's got a big chunk bitten out of it yeah and then it's like is this actually significant mr naruhoto and yes it is and it's like i can i think i can be able to find out who the owner of this book is and i think it's john garadeb yeah we've we've also heard the title of the book before oh yeah lion's pride right is the name of it his favorite book that was missing from after the fire exactly so yeah so that's kind of like there's like a I, there's not actually an intermission or anything like there usually is here but this is where the game's kind of like you can save welcome to trial part two that kind of thing you know um which typically is like there's a recess but not here um so yeah so this time around we bring up um in fact that we know that the natsume's landlord you know there's a fire and they were having a fight but um, there's something Von Siegs does here. Does anybody remember, like, to get to get the jury back on his side and voting guilty again? I think basically the, the argument is that none, none of this helps. I mean, so the book suddenly appeared, but it doesn't make any sense. Um, right. It's like we know that the 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 window wasn't broken, so like, there's no way that they could have come through. And, w- and they wouldn't have opened it on a winter night. Yeah, it, it still insists that it, it must have been uh, like Olive Green's book, uh, even though it uh, shows like it's burned and it's not really Gary Depp's book. Right. So we can't really prove it yet because there's no evidence or anything, but we're not going to give up, um, even though the jury has again given up and saying, well, obviously that's, you know, that's his book, guilt, they all vote guilty, but now we're going to press jurors and get them all against each other, uh, you know? Yeah, we do a second summation examination. And this gets a little more complicated than the earlier ones. Yes, it right, does. Yeah. You, you have to do it in a specific order this time, and then you have to get the uh, people react to each other, and you have to go to them and confront them. Yeah, we get a, a combination of the like the pitting jurors against each other and the, the pursuing mechanic, where you yep. say, excuse me which I think is still a baffling thing to yell in the middle of court, but it's cute, so I'll allow it. <laughs> that's how that's that's the judge rules us, too. He's always like, oh, that's, that's technically not the way we do this, but I'll allow it. It's cute. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing we have to do is um, show that the window could have been open because the argument is that it's the middle of the winter and no one opens the windows in the middle of the winter. Um, right. So there's one guy that says, the, the, the like regular guy in the jury... Um, says that uh, if you can show him a reason why the window would be open, um, then he might change his verdict. Yeah, a couple people, the, 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 the olive oil woman also says like, yeah, no, if, if you had another alternative uh, theory, then I would listen to it. But, you know, mm. it, this seems to make sense. We have some reasonable jurors this time. Except number four, who's who's still just like, I need to get home, please. Or five, you mean, yeah. My God, my wife will absolutely kill me. She has many knives. Because juror number four is also unreasonable. Because at this point, we have outed her as Joan Garadeb, wife not made of John Garadeb, but she sort of denies it and 
it's not really fully explored at this point. So to get the window thing done, even though it's really obvious at this point, uh, you have to get the mm-hmm. older man to tell an anecdote about his birthday a year ago. Um, yes. Where he had 75 candles on a cake. Uh, and when he blew them, they all flew away and burned everything. <laughs> and uh, he got a cold because he had to open the window. And Ryanosuke freaks out about this. He's like, you're putting yeah. like you're putting all these candles. What like what what kind of devil worship are you doing in England? And he goes, Well, it was an angel food cake. And, but which doesn't appease Naruto, because why would it? He's, he's spooked. Yeah, so that's how we proved that um, the window could have been opened because of the fire and they had to open it to get the smoke out. Yeah. Right. Is this where we get into the stay? That the second thing we have to do is to show um, another way. Olive Green could have been stabbed. Uh, and that's when we get a second anecdote from juror number five uh, about his wife trying to kill him when he didn't, when he lost his money. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, an angry woman will throw anything within range. Yeah, his, his wife was um, cutting a chicken when he told her, and the next moment she threw the, uh, the knife at him. And only barely missed him. Susano says something funny, which is like, I hope you don't think that's true, Mr. Hodner, that a woman would just throw anything at someone when she's enraged. We might use something more civilized, like a bow, which I thought was pretty good. Yeah. But anyhow. Um, or a suplex. So, or a suplex, right? So, um, the civilized Susano takedown. Um, right, yeah, so I'm sorry. So anyway. Yeah, so, so that gives Naruto the idea that the knife that stabbed uh, Olive Green could also have come from the apartment above that Mrs. Gary Deb threw a knife and it fell down the window. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that uh, that satisfies juror number two. Yep. And at that point, we're at four out of six. So we have yeah. we have successfully convinced... Uh, for, actually, I think one of the people that we... Uh, like the, the old man with the birthday candles didn't actually change his vote, but the foreman did. For some, we, we made a convincing argument. So regardless, we... We did get four people convinced, and we won the second summation examination. So trial can continue. I, I think it's also, I guess it's worth mentioning, too, um, you know, uh, like, at this point, I guess, well, I think I, it's, I started to, like, piece together what actually happened. Like, this is about where I'm yeah. like, oh, you know, that kind of thing, but... Mm-hmm. It, it's interesting, because it's a trial where, at this point, you kind of figured out what really happened but there's still mm-hmm. a lot left because they like a, a lot of other things happened that make it seem like they did it didn't yeah so the next uh point that von Zeeks brings up which just craps all over our theory is that the window in the household is what they call a, a top hinge top hinge something Top inch casement. Yeah, top inch casement, which means that it can only be opened a little bit from the top half. And the, the street is 14 meters wide. Yeah. So if something were thrown through it, it would, if it didn't break the window, it would just fall straight down. Yeah. And, and the murder happened across the street, which is a long way. Uh, and, and also, um, the bits didn't see anything like fly across the street when they were walking down it. So both both the book and the knife shouldn't couldn't have like gotten to where the body was. Oh, I'll ask that too. I think because most of us are figuring out where this is going, but did anyone figure out the cross the street problem or how that whole thing worked out? Because that element, like, I did not get. I only really got it like when they 
the the person who was do who the guilty party was testifying. Like toward the end, where you're like, oh, the, yeah, yeah, the boundary kind of thing. That's but but like at the time, I I didn't get it to like the very end, which is pretty much not getting it. I I think I got it pretty early because I'm. They mention very early in the chapter that, and I'm I'm actually I'm not sure if they do it like the same way in English, but in, at least in Japanese they say very early in the chapter they like e- emphasize that um, officers who work on uh, the beat where a murder happens have to stay there even if they're off duty. Yeah, yeah, they did establish that in English early. Yeah, and and they established they established it very early, and I'm pretty sensitive to these kind of things when I read when I read mystery. Yeah, because they even say um, like the, uh, that Rolly had to give his wife directions to the correct police box because you yeah. need to call the police box for the person whose beat it is. So right. had to had to send her off somewhere, and that was in like the first testimony. Right? Did we go over that? We're we're doing that now. We're uh. Yeah, no, because like that's the thing too is that then we also established by pressing his testimony that his beat technically goes to like midway through the street. Yeah, that's where the line is. Is basically that street, Briar, exactly like Briar. So the the murder happened like just across the street, like outside the beat for the boundary for his beat. So, um, so I guess we can probably all see where this is going, right? Like uh, that somehow. You know, the you call it the the book from the Garadab's apartment and the knife, presumably that we're contending was thrown, somehow made it. Was it fifteen yards or fourteen yeah, yards across 15. the street? Right, but the top window casement makes that impossible because the the way the window opens, like opens slanted from the bottom, so like it would hit the pane and just drop straight down. So it can't quite make that distance, but. We f- we figure out something something's amiss here. Hmm. Hmm. The, the way we put it all together in the end is that. Um, well, there's a new piece of evidence that we get to yeah. look at. Is by pressing the testimony, we learned that Roly had saved up all the money that he had uh, found in gutters oh, on right. his patrol to buy a single red rose for Patricia for their anniversary. And he calls it a bouquet, and Von Zeeks is the one who's like, it's not a freaking bouquet, it's one flower. <laughs> a, a measly little flower. Yeah. I think she still insists on calling it a bouquet. She does, because she's, like, meager. Yeah, Patricia's, like, insulted. Like, she's... Yeah. You know, say it, it, it didn't just, like, save his money. It's, it's money, like, that he picked up off the street, like, little pennies that he found in the street while he was walking. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. You're gonna walk 20 miles. I mean, yeah, you're probably fine. Like the whole kind of uh, idea behind this is that they kind of repeatedly put out that Bobby's like you can trust them. They're hardworking. This guy hasn't gotten a proper sleep in months. He's been he walks 20 miles every day for his beat. He works really hard, and he's a dedicated Bobby. And he'd saved up all of his money to buy this special rose for his anniversary, and that. Yeah, that rose winds up being on the side of the street that's closest to the residence where the window is, while the rest of the crime scene is on the other side of the window. And we wonder how that could be. Because Patricia is like, I have a bad sense of direct. I have a famously bad sense of direction. But wait, you we dropped the bouquet when the we saw the murder happen on our side of the street. But when I came back, everything like it was on the opposite side. The bouquet was on the opposite side found. 
How how did the book and the knife get across the street into Olive Green's hand for the book and back for the knife? But then the bouquet is on the opposite side, like, and weakened end because someone switched the locations. Uh, well, someone switched the side of the street the crime scene happened on, and the only person that could be, in fact, is Rolly B. Right, because if it's on, if it's in his in his area, you know, that's covered by this warrant card, he is obligated to interrupt his anniversary dinner and investigate the crime. Stay and help detectives. Yep, help detectives. Investigate. And this one, I was, I was actually like, I had it in mind that this was the like the correct answer, but they give they give you a couple options, and I'm just like. I don't actually I like actually trusted Rolly based off of like how much they talked about like police being trustworthy and and the guy actually seemed really like like he cared about his job and all that fun stuff. Yeah, he cared about being a police, you know, a, a good officer. Yeah, he does this one thing where you know how in the previous games when we're trying to like reassure somebody that we're like professional and trustworthy, we like show our badge. He does that to us where he shows us his like Bobby billfold that has all like the Bobby rules in it. And he actually lends it to us, which that's where we learn that, you know, one of the Bobby rules is that if a crime scene happens, even if you're off duty and it's in your jurisdiction, you have to drop what you're doing and investigate. It becomes like evidence to show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he hands it to us basically saying like, no, when, when you come back to Japan, I want you to tell people about the, the good upstanding nature of the the British bobbies, we 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 care. Which, when you think about it, that's so shitty, right? Like you're in this whole thing where you just like you tampered with evidence and shit. It's like I want you to go back to Japan to how what good cops we are. Like <laughs> to, to, to Raleigh's credit, he thought that it didn't make any difference. He really believed it didn't make any difference. That, that they, 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 <laughs> they, they, no. have, they have seen they both he and your wife saw the um, culprit clearly. Um. And it didn't matter if it was across the road. And he really wanted to go to, like, to have an anniversary with his wife, which he almost never sees. He just wanted one night off. Yeah. Yeah, to him, he was just like, yeah, this guy definitely stabbed this woman in the back and then ran away. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which side of the street it was on. Yeah, I planted evidence, but I really wanted to go eat dinner. He didn't plant evidence. He just transplanted it. He did his best (laughs) to like recreate the crime scene exactly like he saw it on the other side of the street. Also, this lady had marijuana on her. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Too topical. That's that's Shutakami for you. Well, I could feel sorry for this guy because he's fictional. Well, you can feel I feel sorry for him. I'm just saying that, like, it's like, to be fair, he was kind of an asshole here. Well, he does admit it. He does admit it. Yeah, he does. When he's when he's caught, yeah. Well, no, it, when I say that, I mean like he doesn't go through like an evil villain breakdown. He just he just kind of admits it. It's like, yeah, I'm sorry. All right, look, I, I get it for for Ludo narrative dissonance's sake. All right, um, no, it's like it's one of those things where, yeah, if you want to be real about it, like at the point where he's like, oh shit, this is pertinent. He should really come clean. But I also understand like that would kind of defeat the purpose of the game. So you know, like it's a funny thing. That's kind of like as far as you can take it. Speaking of funny things, I just want to say that after we accuse uh, after we accuse her husband of tampering, uh, Rolly gets very offended and says, "There is no one straighter than my husband." <laughs> which is just probably true given that this is an ace attorney game mm-hmm. right actually <laughs> like you know what that 
th- these are the straightest people that I've ever seen. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think also too when, once they brought up that she's holding the the book, you know how this went down. I think this is when at the point where it's like, okay, now I get everything that happens happens here. Yeah, yeah because the, the, next, the next like issue is that um, even if the knife came down from above, it should have hit her on the head and not in the back. Mm. Well, and we're going to have to do something, an, another relatively unprecedented thing in British law and bring a juror to the stand. And not only is she, Joan Garadeb, coming, but so is her husband, John Garadeb. I do lo- really like this. For, um, I mean, this is this is a trope that Ace Attorney has done a couple times, I'm pretty sure. But uh, the... Um Mrs. Garadab, she's like, well, I'm a juror. I don't have to have to testify. The prosecutor said so. And uh, Von Zeeks is just like, fuck, no, I didn't. You you fucking testify right now. One thing I'm kind of liking here is that Von Zeeks, I think once he kind of realizes, oh, wait a sec. You know what I mean? Like, he's kind of like not directly on your side, but he's sort of like he's not going to like cheat anymore. Yeah, it's it's like that. I mean, I feel like the ace attorney, again, has this theme of like, the, the lawyers are here to find out the truth no matter what it is and so I love it when like they switch sides to figure that out we almost had that with uh, McGilded almost we had in the first trial what I like about Von Zeeks is that he's kind of all the time putting down the jurors about how they're like unintelligent they are and in this at this portion of the trial he's like you jurors aren't special like he flat out says that he's like, if you if we want to put you on the witness stand, we'll put you on the witness stand. I mean, yeah, I think here's the thing. I think earlier when he thinks Natsume did it, he is kind of willing to bend things because they mentioned like the prosecutor seems to be when you find out the book book is burned, that he's kind of trying to like rush you past that. Just be like, no, 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 forget it. It's fine. Like It's burned, but it's not relevant. And like, just get to the guilty verdict. But this point when. Von Zeeks realizes, uh uh-huh, like, he didn't do it. Now he's kind of like, no, we can call a jury to the stand. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's very much an Edgeworth. Yeah, it is defense. Even if, you know, we bring all that stuff up about the book, he does make a good point. It's like, how is this relevant? You know, we keep defending these people. I don't know why. From his perspective that the, uh, he's got eyewitnesses to a what seems incredibly clear crime and I think he's just because they've talked about I think think they talked about it earlier that in this system um, a lot of the reasons why he's sort of known for for this curse thing where people do actually end up being found not guilty and then getting away with it is because there's a lot of manipulation there's evidence manipulation there's jury tampering um, prosecutors are screwed over by um, unsavory attorneys all the time too so I think from his you know when he's trying to do this stuff you know, he's he thinks he's got such a clear case that, yeah, any of this other stuff he's hesitant to pursue because this could be any of that until he finds out that, listen, he's got a Bobby who's already admitting that he moved evidence. And then I think at yeah. that point he's like, nope, hold on. Then I'm basing my case on something that isn't actually true. Right. Also, Naruto isn't, isn't an angel either because, uh, for example, the entire first um, summation examination is something he knows will lead nowhere. He's just trying to, like, get get away from the guilty verdict, even though it's it's nothing. It didn't happen like that. It wasn't the old man that he saw fall down, and he didn't take the long way around. 
But to be totally fair here, he's also in kind of a BS system where, like, the jurors are like, I don't even have to hear all the evidence. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, they're just, like, kind of in a foregone conclusion. Yeah, also, there's no discovery, so it's like you put a guy behind the defense stand and just tell him to go with it. Yeah, no, the, dis- yeah, the discovery is, like, awful, where it's just like, I forgot to give you this evidence. Let's just do it in the middle of the trial. And even, like, the judge is like, the what? Oh, all right, you know. Wait, you had a second photograph? Yeah, like, yeah, like that was kind of pertinent. Updated <laughs> autopsy report, bitch. By the way, the, the, the photographs are color this time. Yeah, that's true. They, they aren't even color like in modern days in Phoenix Wright. Yeah, and then they met, one of the jurors mentions it. She's like, oh my, we have colored photographs now. When did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> I did I did read about why why the photographs were black and white originally in, in Phoenix Wright. Why? Because the, the game came out on the GBA and they had to save space. They didn't have enough room for color, for some more color graphics. <laughs> wow. They were very judicious with their sprite usage, so I guess that doesn't surprise me. Jeez. So, so not the Gary Debs, I understand. Well, I think first we, we um, showed that the reason that, it, that the knife went into her back was because the book came down first, and she crouched to pick it up, and then her back was... Pointing toward the Isn't that kind of the like the end of it though? Like that, that's that's the last thing we have to prove. Oh, I okay. think what we're what we're trying to prove now is like that the knife came from them, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. w- this is a somewhat plausible uh, explanation, but it still doesn't. It's not like the most logical answer. Yeah, basically, if you're saying this knife came from us, then prove it. Which through pressing the testimony. Uh, Mr. Garadeb kind of presents his pipe as evidence. Uh, he tells us that while things were being flung at him, his pipe was knocked out of his hand, and it was a, a rather solid object that Joan had thrown. Joan kind of has the testimony of where she was throwing soft things like sponges pillows and, and pillows and cabbages. that kind of stuff. Marshmallows. And Mr. Garadeb has to be like, oh, you were throwing more solid things than that because you knocked my pipe out of my hand and broke it in half. Yeah, like it got it got a uh, like chipped or shattered. Which it's a wooden pipe. He he carves things. He says a thing too that he's like, if you if you think that's my knife, you're gonna have to ha- you're gonna have a job proving it. Which is like the kind of again pride before a fall because that's exactly what we do. <laughs> Since his knife gets put in his, his pipe rather gets put into evidence, and it turns out there's a a tip of a bit of steel in the um, part where the tobacco goes. If that if that has a name, I don't know what it is. Like a bowl? Yeah, like the bowl. Yeah. Pipe cup. <laughs> I, have, I have no idea. I like the way that the game does this, because when I was looking at the pipe as evidence, it's kind of like wrapped up in the middle where it was repaired. So I look at the bandage, it's like, okay, I can't take the bandage off, so there's like a little chip in the bowl. I look at the chip, and then I turn it around, and there's the piece of metal in there. It just kind of leads your eyes there. Yeah, it's like, oh, I want to examine that chip. And yeah, as you're as you're turning to look at it. So one of the things that I was just sort of thinking about for this case is like, okay, so the knife hit the window and then fell down on on top of Olive Green. I mean, that's that's pretty much what's happened right now. But now we know that the knife, well, we all could have seen it before that the knife was had a its tip chipped off. So would a knife that's sort of blunt just falling one floor be enough to like well that's i think 
that's uh, that's the thing that didn't kill her, right? Or it just like stabs her in the back, kind of. And yeah, but it's still like it goes into her spine. The, the entire thing isn't very plausible, in my opinion. Okay, I mean, yeah, yeah it, it's a cartoon video game, but let's talk yeah. about Danganronpa for a minute here. <laughs> what did, did someone say, Danganronpa? <laughs> it, it is the third floor. It's it's coming three floors down. Oh, it's the third floor. Okay, yeah, because they live on the top. This changes everything. So it's got, it's re- it's reached a decent velocity. I don't know if it's terminal velocity, but yeah. The chair with the Garadebs. I don't know if this is true or not, but isn't it like you can drop a penny from the Eiffel Tower and like hurt somebody down below? No, it's Empire State Building, but it's it's false. I mean, I'm sure it would hurt them. Yeah, yeah, it'll hurt. Yeah, like it's not. It won't, but it won't kill them or anything like that. I think it was on Mythbusters or something. I don't know. But at any rate, um, so you can trust me because I watched TV once. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, but so that's the thing there in the fight. They threw it. They throw it down and then, you know, um, blah, blah, blah. You get the idea. It's their knife. They're they're sad because it was an accident again. Yeah. What did I tell you? I did, last episode. I said the mate did it. That's right. She did. So um, what have we learned? Oh no! So, um, yeah, we find we find Natsume not guilty, of course, because now how could you not? Everybody's happy. Um, and the Garadabs aren't happy. Well, the Garadabs aren't happy. Well, they're they're kind of happy still because it's like Joan is kind of happy with her husband that like he came to rescue her, and then like at the end of the trial, like when it's revealed, she kind of faints, and he catches her with with like his bum leg. He tries to catch her. One, yeah. one kind of happy thing, by the way, is at one point, like, when the beats were found out, like, Rolly's like, I just want to go home and sleep. We'll deal with, like, whatever my punishment is. And Von Zeeks is kind of like, you know, don't do it again. Almost like to say, like, I have the authority for this. Yeah. Like, you'll be okay. He's not fired. He was afraid he was going to get fired, but Von Zeeks decided mm-hmm. that... Is pitiful enough right. to you should not, not fire him. <laughs> you're not going. To, you're not going to get fired. You're going to jail. But <laughs> you know, you're not. You're at least you got your. Job. I mean, I have to say, all the people involved in this trial are, are pretty sympathetic. It's kind of nice. Yeah, which I think is part of the reason why they made sure that to spell out that the person did not die because otherwise <laughs> you just feel really bad because you know this game would never want to make you feel bad for no reason well it would just be like the last trial where somebody died you know through a misunderstanding yeah and also like if she if this is like a seinfeld episode like if she wakes up it ruins everything because the first thing she says is just like oh yeah i bent over to get a book that fell out of this window and then i got something else fell on my back yeah no totally <laughs> this was supposed to be the year of olive green <laughs> <laughs> and i think we we do learn at the end of the trial like uh like she's she's through the worst of it or something like i don't think she's woken up yet but they yeah, yeah. she's recovering but yeah She's she's doing better. You know, we have our usual like, you know, the thing outside the courtroom kind of like summation where Natsume is super thankful and Sherlock Holmes shows up or shows and he's like, I'm here to help. I made it just in time. That was awesome. I absolutely love that. Then we we tell him that he he's late. He assumes that Natsume is is found guilty. Yeah, because he couldn't help. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, like Natsume is like, I, you know, you caused all this, but excuse me, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. And Jones is like, so what did you do when you found Green Stab? He's like, I ran. Um, what were you saying? 
nothing. Yeah, it's unfortunate someone didn't bring her to the hospital earlier. Otherwise, <laughs> she'd be awake by now. Right, like, like, Roly, like, dragged this woman, a, you know, 14 meters across the street to reset up the crime scene. Like, that could not have helped. Yeah. Like, with a knife <gasps> in her back. Yeah, he, he, I think he, he, he said that he thought she, she was dead when he did that. <laughs> yeah, everyone thought she was dead. Also, what kind of terrible cop is he, though? Like, you feel her. She's still warm. You probably got to feel, like, breathing or heartbeat. You know what I mean? Like, something. But, you know, because it's your job. <laughs> Yeah! Yeah, but he was tired. So shouldn't you have, like, a mirror glass or something for this? Put it in front of their mouth, and, or, like, under their under their nose? Well, how could you, how could they possibly see the fog in the mirror through the thick, the thick London fog that London has? <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, and you'd see the breath, actually! In the cold air that we keep hearing about, you'd see breath! Well, no, it's so cold it's that you can't... I played enough phasmophobia to know you'd see that breath! <laughs> It's so cold that the breath just freezes in their lungs. Trust me, it wouldn't work. <laughs> so, all right, but whatever. It's um, it's a bullshit game. No, I'm kidding. But uh, but well, <laughs> speaking of actual plot inconsistencies, and this one actually bothered me. If this was if this was a real trial where <laughs> someone was incapacitated <laughs> by complete accident, <laughs> none of this would happen. So, at the end of the trial, they get they get Soseki his not guilty verdict. And they kind of bring him up on the stand to do the whole, like, you know, we apologize. You, this must have been really rough for you. And they're talking to him and he's kind of doing that thing where he's looking around. And I was expecting expecting him to say, like, yes, I'm fine or, you know, that kind of thing. But he responds in perfect, you know, you know to show that he understood and can speak the language that he's being spoken in to. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, that's w- what? He can't speak English. I think I... I- I think that he was just very nervous, so when they questioned him, he, he couldn't really speak very well. He's, he's like, he, he studies English literature, so he, uh, he can read English, that's for sure. He's like, he was a, like, English expert. He's read so much. And he's been there for a year. Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't buy it. Yeah, but now now he says that he's going to return to Japan, which is an in, inconsistent because the real Natsumasa Seki was in England, England for two years, not one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, and he swears that he's never going to um, be charged with murder again. <laughs> Weird thing to swear, that's, but... That's an ominous thing to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I would like to make that promise too, but now I feel nervous about saying that. Like you're going to jinx it. A lot of people asking questions about my t-shirt that says I'm never going to be charged with murder again. But no, like we we talk a little bit about the about the curse, the the Reaper's curse, and so you know, Sozeki is still like freaking out of like, okay, like that's all fine and good that I'm not guilty, but I'm still cursed, and now I've got the Reaper's curse as well, and I'm just like, we're not, we're not gonna murder historical personage Soseki Natsume, right? Like, <laughs> I don't think we can do that. Yeah, that would cause a time paradox. Anyways, come into the basement, Soseki. <laughs> No. I got this carriage I want to show you. A mysterious <laughs> coma. Or, 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 or my gosh, the Reaper has transmuted my body into a cat. Somehow. <laughs> Temporarily, so I can write a book. Anyway. Or that's the cat's actual cry for help. Um, oh, he also mentions, like, one of the, we talk about his lodgings being cursed. And he mentions, like, no, there's there's like a, a being that, like, like, suffocates you while you sleep. I'm like, well, you do have a cat. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. 
No mystery there. He does offer to give to give us his apartment, so now that he's going back to Japan. If we, if we need a cheap place to live. You can have my apartment, and by the way, there's a ghost that strangles you every time you wake up. It's like a great alarm clock, which is like, <laughs> true. But um, We're going to get a cat. So excited. We're going to get a cat. And, and a cat. Yeah. But uh, we're like, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But Holmes is like, why don't you stay with me and, uh, and Iris? And we're like, yeah, all right. Sounds good. Yeah, he has, he has a free attic that we can use. Yeah. Uh, yeah, free attic. Hey, free attic. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and, uh, um, Suzato is super happy about it. She makes a joke, which I think was probably worked just as well in Japanese, which is based. And I mean that for sincerely, cause she kind of says something like, I can't believe we're going to be staying in the great detective's office. Suzatic, <laughs> you know? Um, so, uh, that's what we do. And then Holmes comes up without his like hat and goggles and shit. And he's, 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 he's fucking hot. So, um, he's an anime hot boy. It turns out. It's true. How about that. And the game got a little bit hornier, but, uh, nobody comments on it. Um, I guess except me just now, but, um, don't tell my wife and, uh, no, I'm kidding. But, uh, so, uh, we're living with Holmes and uh that's that's the end of that chapter yeah uh so seki might say that we uh finally feel that we're finding our feet that's right (laughs) (laughs) nice well done be a lot more impressive i hadn't written that down like a couple days ago no that's the that's the point of the podcast though is is that's why we have notes is to make up jokes that way you always land yeah exactly so I like this case. It, yeah, it was, was fun. Uh, it's a good yeah, case. definitely. Just enough twists. Another accident, though. The, the, second accident, the second accidental murder that we have in this game. I was going to say that, too, yeah. But, like, I think I think the twist, like, of switching the street side was, was well done. I thought, you know, everything, it worked out pretty well, ultimately, you know? Yeah, I definitely felt like I was, like, exactly one, like, one step ahead of the game, like, for every turn. It wasn't, like... Oh, obviously, I know this, and we're going to take six years getting to it. It was like, it's like, oh, wait, oh, no, that means this. And like, and then now I just need to let the game let me tell it to it. Yeah. And it it gave you enough, like, to start with to understand what you're doing. (laughs) I'm really glad that the game didn't turn into like a jealous murder plot. Yeah, like the, the overall, the game seems to be mostly filled with with people trying their best, uh, except for McGilded, who seemed like a, a real piece of work, but he's dead now, theoretically. So, yeah. but that was like, that was our client. <laughs> let's, 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 let's ask that. Let's re-ask that question. Now that we know a little more about Von Zeke's, is it possible he actually killed Mielded? Probably not still. Right. I don't, th- I don't think, I mean, Von Zeke's I'm getting Edgeworth vibes from him and I don't think he would have a- actually killed someone. Not, not even Edgeworth vibes, but like, like Edgeworth in the later games vibes. Like early on, he's really ruthless and he just wants to get the guilty verdict no matter what. And then later we kind of open him up into into, you know, wanting the truth. Whereas Von Zeeks from trial one seems a lot more concerned with like figuring out what actually happened. And uh and he's more open to working with us. So do do you have any theory about how he got his reputation, though? Because the people in the past where he um we're um, not convicted did end up disappearing or dying. So what happened then? 
I think he has a rabid fangirl following him around and murdering everyone that uh, that he accuses <laughs> of being guilty, but not taken care of by the justice system. I think the judge is that fangirl. I'm wondering though, that's where the game's going. Like, actually, Von Zeeks is like, look, I'm in an unjust system here. And the way I do this is if I lose a case and I know the person's guilty, I- I'm going to kill them. I'll do it. I'll get away with it, too, <laughs> because I'm a prosecutor. I'm going to and like he's not going to act against Natsumi because he knows Natsume is now not guilty. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I think we've been hinting at uh, this this uh, being about an unjust system, like mm-hmm. with uh, the hint that Cosmo was here to do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and Von Zeeks has talked about, like, has given his rant about how this system is is super imperfect and very vulnerable to to corruption. So it makes sense that he might want to, you know, change it or maybe go outside it a little bit. I that's interesting because now you mention it. Yeah, I guess if Cosimo wants to do something to fix the system in in London somehow, that would make sense. While Maelstrom is like kind of like. What is it you're trying to do exactly? You know what I mean? Like when we're like, yeah, I want to convince, I want to figure, I want to do what he wanted to do, whatever it is. Like, oh, you don't know? Okay, that's good. As, as long as you don't change the status quo or anything. As long as you're not like going to get me fired and whatever, yeah. you know? The one thing I will say for Von Zeeks is that why would he have stopped and why does he come back? Like if he's okay with going this sort of extrajudicial, you know, murders to 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 rectify a, a corrupt system, what makes him stop, and then what makes him come back? And my theory is that uh, it, it's not actually him who's doing these killings; it's McGilded to gain more control over the underworld. So he's killing people who are actually guilty just because they're rivals when they get off, and he fakes his own murder, but. Von Zeeks comes back to try to get him convicted, but he needs to get out from under Von Zeeks uh, gaze. So he fakes his own murder. But that doesn't make sense because Mr. McGilden's a good person. He donated a park. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, you know, the one thing I'll say then is then why is he why is Zeeks interested in Natsume, which I I have a theory for. But if you'd like to. All right. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm so I think I think basically Von Zeeks is kind of doing the Natsume case to feel us out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Like specifically to be like, I don't know why this Japanese student like defended McGilded or why they got him to do it. It's also possible Maelstrom then is like kind of like so all right, let's look at it this way too. Maelstrom obviously gave us the Mildred the McGilded case to lose, I think, right? Yeah. Because he wanted McGilded behind bars or whatever. It's just that all the evidence was tampered and everything his way. So then what's the thinking here, too? Did Von Zeeks ask Maelstrom for the favor of, like, why don't you give him that case with this guy and I'll take it? Because I want to see what's going on with this, you know? Yeah. With this guy. That doesn't is make that sense. Is that really? Yeah. Yeah. Because this one is not, it's a, it's a very low risk, but it's involving someone from Japan. So it's obviously going to make more sense. Right. But, no, counterpoint, Right. Cosma, we're assuming also whatever he wanted to do was a just a, a justice kind of thing, a, pr- a good thing, you know, something good for London, England, Japan, justice, whatever you want. Maelstrom, we think, is probably wor- either working against that or worried about it, or maybe not. But that's like kind of where we're going. So that would put him and Von Zeeks at odds if we're going with these theories, right? Yeah, because like Von Zeeks yeah. is going to want. Yeah, Gondix is assumably, presumably going to want the same thing that Cosmo wants if we're talking that way. 
which puts him at odds with me, which, which doesn't like doesn't contradict any of these things per se. But also, well, probably more important that um, both of these cases from the from the beginning look like they're really going to be tough. Like they look mm-hmm. like losers. Like even even with this one, I mean, you know, you've got an eyewitness who's a cop, you know, who's a Bobby. Like this doesn't look likely to win. So it could just be in that like there's no uh, sort of communications between the, the the chief justice and von Zeeks. It's just von Zeeks is is trying to sell so like get out there and be like, okay, listen, I think that you know he'll get this case, so I'm gonna go after this one too. But it's not orchestrated. What if von Zeeks is really just like, all right, I I've been out of this game for a while. I need the easy cases. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get back in the swing of things. That's the thing that's you, right? Yeah, like Von Zeeks, and yeah, it could be Von Zeeks has enough pull with the prosecutor's office just from his own reputation that he doesn't necessarily need Maelstrom to pull strings. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I think that Von Zeeks and Maelstrom are not on the same page, mostly because I think that Maelstrom is evil. Mm-hmm. I think I'm with you, but I'm wondering if like, see, I guess where I'm getting at is like, I wonder, I, I'm feeling, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll stick by it then. I feel like Von Zeeks is good, is like chaotic good, meaning like he's kind of into the ends justify the means. He's Shadow the Hedgehog, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's, that's probably <laughs> the best the way to put it. You're fake lawyer here. Yeah. And, and like Maelstrom is kind of the status quo one where he's like, this system kind of sucks, but I'm in power and it works well enough if I can just kind of keep, you know all the plates balanced. You know what I mean? And we, Naruhodo, are the... We're going to have to uproot... We're, uh, no, Kazuma wants to, like, kind of uproot some of this stuff and make everything more just and good. You know, that kind of thing. How would Kazuma know about the corruption deep within the British, like, l- legal system? That, that's a very good question, yes. He's just that cool. I thought Kazuma, when I was starting before... Like, that's tonight, my theory about Kazuma. Because I was thinking, like, he wanted to do something, like... Tom Hanks in the terminal or it's just like I just want to hear that like record or something you know what I mean like something like that like that was kind of just eh. I thought you were gonna say Tom Hanks in big or like I'm gonna expose Sholmes as a fraud <laughs> yeah <laughs> well it may just be that that Cosmo doesn't have to have any knowledge of it as much as he is an agent for the Japanese government who has other stuff going on um, if oh. as part of these high level discussions, if they know that there's some corruption in, you know, whatever in, in, in the, the judicial system, they might be like, oh, send us your, your best young attorney to study here and we can use him as an outsider to uh, investigate things. Didn't, didn't he even call it like a mission? Yeah, he says a mission. Yeah. So, it, it, that, yeah, that could be from from higher up. Very interesting. Huh. Nice theories. Oh, the most important mystery, though is what happened to the Shakespeare guy and his friend. It just disappeared. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I was really expecting them to show up this trial. I was worried about how long this trial was going to go because I was, like, getting near the end, and I was like, we haven't even seen those other two characters yet. <laughs> I was I was honestly using a spoiler three walkthrough because, um, again, I was, like, really pressed for time when I read this one, so I like kind of had some idea of how long it takes. You know, it's not a great guide or it's not a great way to gauge it, because like typically what happens is you have a half hour of dialogue before you do anything and then you'll do like six things in a row, you know, yeah. but it's pretty good. Yeah, I've I've uh, I've been using a like a, a video walkthrough uh, just to just to know like how far into the case I am so I can schedule like when I'm playing it. And uh, that has the opposite problem because it very well times your 30 minutes of dialogue 
but <laughs> does not at all account for the amount of time you spend like pressing people on unrelated things and presenting the wrong stuff. Yeah, and I keep running into this problem where I use up all my like continue points up until I have like the last one, and that's like the last one I get for the entire trial. It's very easy to save scum in this game. You can save anywhere. You can, um, yeah. Oh, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. I cheat, so I don't have to. Yeah, I save like on every time I have to make a choice, and if it's wrong, then I load the save and I make the right choice. Yeah, but I never save until I've, I'm down to one point. That's, I guess, my fault. Oh, I'm just good at the game. No, no, that's okay. <laughs> well, I I just cheat with the walkthrough and the start. No, um... I don't think... I think the game over isn't really doing anything. I think it just goes back to the the last choice you, you made. Yeah, yeah, it goes back to the start, but the thing is, it wastes my time a little bit. They also... Pro- do they, Does anyone have... Has anyone gotten a game over yet? Like, I'm assuming they do the Ace Attorney thing, where it's like, all right, that's enough, guilty, and then... Ah, if yeah, only it's like they sh- they show your uh, client standing there before the judge, and then they like close the door on him, and then it says you can like retry from the start of the scene or retry from a saved game, and then like it does the Sierra thing where it says like you're such a loser for doing that. Restore, restart, quick. <laughs> Naruhodo should know better than to mess with a judge. See, I was almost expecting it to go darker because they're like everyone that everyone that gets tried for here is going for murder. And they're all going to get executed. You just get the, you just get guilty, and then just like a, a blood spatter across the entire screen. Yeah. <laughs> See Natsume at the guillotine or something. Yeah, like a silhouette of like a hanging. <laughs> Jesus, this got <laughs> <Some> dark. <laughs> really, yeah, some really like uncomfortably violent thing from like Hostel or something, where it's like, oh my god, Ace Attorney, what are you doing? But you know, I thought it was a glitch, so I kept playing. Shoot the commie, why did you ask Eli Roth to help? <laughs> it was awful, an awful idea. I hate that guy, by the way. Anyway, um, so... <laughs> I had to sneak in a little film criticism there. Uh, what's for next time? What's for next time, yeah. Good question. Oh, yeah. Um, my, my memory about how, how long all of this takes is a little vague, but I think just the investigation part before the next trial begins, I think it's long enough. Okay. Okay. Um, well, tune in next time where we're bunking with homes. <laughs> mm-hmm. On the Disney Channel. Hell yeah, gamers. All right. Yep. All right. Whatever. All right. Have a good one. Good night. <laughs>